What's up, guys? Welcome to Birdwatch, an Orleans Pelicans podcast powered by NOLA.com. I'm Christian Clark, the Pelicans beat writer for NOLA.com. Uh, here today with Brian Schrader of Dime Up Rocks. He does some draft stuff over there, and I would say he's uh, one of the more interesting draft followers on Twitter. What's up, Brian? Enjoying my time off. Yeah. Enjoying, enjoying not the least normal draft process I've ever seen. No idea when it's going to happen. We have no idea. I mean, we have some idea who's going to be in it, but is there going to be a draft in June? We don't know. Yeah, it's still still on the schedule for June 25th, but it it doesn't seem like it's going to happen then at all. I mean, it seems like it's going to be August, September before we, we finally get to the draft. I mean, what is this from just like a basketball watching standpoint or like watching you know prospects? What does this pause and play look like for you? Is it just you're just kind of doing the same thing you normally would or? Watching a little more older games and getting a little more time to catch up because there's no playoff games to watch. But yeah, I mean, the tournament is always overrated from that. So I don't, I mean, I'm sad the tournament didn't happen. I like watching it. But from pure like evaluation perspective, that's how you get things like people saying Carson Edwards should have been a top 20 pick. He shouldn't have. I think we understand that now after he didn't play well at all last year. So yeah, like, you know, DeAndre Hunter going fourth, it's probably not something that would have happened if they hadn't won the tournament. It's, it's always risky with that stuff. I mean, the, the inverse is Kemba Walker kind of solidified himself as a pick and then became a very good player. But I think he would have done that anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably watched the least amount of college basketball I have in six or seven years. And, I mean, really, for me, I'm just kind of cramming right now. Like, I'm just finding whatever old YouTube games I can get. So I would say I've watched one or two games of almost all of the guys who would be available in the late lottery. I'm no... No expert by any means, but um, definitely have just a cursory understanding. So, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to get you know, kind of your take on, on guys who could be available, potentially available that 10 to 14 range. It looks like the Pelicans are going to have you know, 12th or 13th pick, depending on how the tiebreaker breaks out. Uh, but first, I wanted to ask you, I mean, this is generally just regarded as a pretty weak draft. If you were a GM just starting a team from scratch, who would you just take number one in this draft? I think... The conventional wisdom is Anthony Edwards, just because the idea of what he is, what he could be, if he ever hits, is pretty close to a number one score, and I don't think there's anyone else in this class you could do that for. You could say that for. It's the the problem is that it's not so much the shot selection thing, like like the Wiggins thing. It's that I don't know physically. He has a, some weird hangups that make it make me think he's not going to be able to get to the rim, like even like the amount that Bradley Beal does. And if he doesn't do that, he doesn't get to the line a lot. He ends up just being kind of a pull-up shooter, and he's like good at that, but he's not. There's a chance he could just be like Dion Waiters. I, I don't think it's a huge chance, but it's enough that I, I might not take him one. If I just had a completely fresh team, I might take Killian Hayes, just because I'm pretty sure he will be a lead. Like, that's the thing. Edwards is 6'5", and he's a two-guard. With all two guards, it's better if they can be a, a one. Like that's any any two guard who isn't like, like well, my, Michael Jordan was. I was gonna say like, what two guard in the NBA would not be better served if they were also like a high level passer? And I don't think you can say one. And Hayes Hayes is that. Lamelo Ball is that too. But I'm more worried about his shot. Like he may not ever shoot well because it looks weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Hayes is Hayes is 18. So is Anthony Edwards. Hayes is taller he's probably 6'6 six, six, and he's about the same size he's not, a, not the same kind of athlete but he's 
smarter and has better touch and is a better passer and is probably better at defense. And I think just has like a higher floor as like this guy will be a starting guard. So I probably would take him. I think it depends on, you know, the, all these hypotheticals like what team am I on? Like what what's the market? Who am I? Like am I going to get fired <laughs> if this guy isn't good? Which is usually the case. But it definitely one of those two or LaMelo, I think. The only other guy I'd even think about would be Okongwu, and that's more just like, I know he will be a good center. It's just, is he going to be a star? Probably not. Like, a, like, a, like anything higher than what Bam Adebayo is, probably not. The three names I've seen, you know, kind of discussed for the number one spot are Edwards, LaMelo Ball, and Killian Hayes. LaMelo is an interesting prospect to me because, I, I mean, I love just the size that he has, with, mm-hmm. that he plays a part of position. I mean, I think it, he just, you know, sees passing lanes that not a lot of guys could see because just... He's just big, but like, would you even like if Lonzo was coming out right now and it's between him and Lamelo? Like, who do who do, would you like more as a prospect? I would take I would take Lamelo. Really? Yeah. The biggest reason is that Lonzo, as great as great he is, he still is. He's a great passer. He's not an on. He's not like a huge on ball passer. Like he doesn't get into the paint that often because he kind of can't. Like he doesn't have the flexibility. He's not that fast. So he can just kind of get stopped, and he doesn't really... Most of his passing is like he catches on the perimeter or in transition. He's a transition point guard is what we, what people refer to it as, and he's terrific at that. He's one of the best in the NBA. It doesn't mean he's like... Rubio's kind of the same way. Like Ricky Rubio is not really getting to the rim that often and making kickouts, which is, I think, what point guards should be doing. But Ricky Rubio, if he's on the perimeter and he catches a pass, he's going to make the right one. And Lonzo's like that. Lamelo's like that too, but I, I'm a little more confident in him getting around people and getting to the rim because he's more flexible. He's taller, and he's probably a little quicker. Lonzo, and he's just not as big. Like Lonzo, kind of got big, and Lonzo's had a, I think he's had enough foot and, and knee issues that it's made him a little less explosive than he was. Yeah, but I mean, he's better at defense. He's gonna continue to be better. He's just much bigger. He's probably a better bet right now to keep shooting spot ups. So it's really. Do I want a lead guard or do I want a slightly better, like better role player? But I'd probably take Lamelo. Yeah, I've heard Lonzo described as a connector. That's the type of passer he is. So he's not like, I mean, he got better as the season went along of like, you know, breaking the defense down a little bit and, and doing a better job of, of getting inside and like actually taking some layups when they're there every once in a while. But he's a guy who is going to mostly just stay in the perimeter and just like helps go from point A to point C very, very quickly. I thought that was a, a pretty good way of putting it, but okay, that's interesting. So, you know, as far as the Pelicans go, none of those guys are going to be on the board unless no. they hit on like the 4% odds that jump into the top four. But I do think there are some interesting players, you know, who will be available 12 or 13, wherever they end up picking. Um, and I guess the first guy I wanted to ask you about was Tyrese Max. I watched two of his games last week. What's just kind of your your general read on his game? Literally everything I just said about what Lonzo doesn't do is what Maxie's really, really good at. Uh, to the extent that he's, I think he's the best in the draft at it, just getting into the paint and, and just breaking people down off the dribble. He's really strong for a 6'3 guy. And he's got, I mean, he shot, I think, 65, 66% at the rim on, let me look it up. It's sub. It's less than 20% of his makes were assisted, which is good you know it means he's getting to the rim on his own a lot uh yeah 19.7 percent on 109 attempts so that's pretty good he also 
has good like floater touch. So he's just a rims. He's like a paint scorer, and he should shoot threes. Like he had some trouble. Uh, he didn't take as many pull ups like creating for himself that I thought, but he shot 29%. But so did Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards is a shooter. He was an 83% foul shooter, which is important. That usually tracks more. I'm actually interested to see this year because they moved the lineback in college. If that, if the three-point stuff translates a little more consistently, but I think the conventional wisdom is that free throw shooting is more important in college, and he's a good free throw shooter. He's he didn't have like the block and steal rates that I expected for a good defender, but he's a good defender of guards because he's strong. He moves well laterally. Uh, he just is kind of tough to get around. Like that, uh, you know, the, like why is Patrick Beverly good at defense? Because he tries hard and he's strong and he's tough. He's fast enough that it's hard to get around him. And he's not that good, but Maxi should be a, a solid guard defender. And I mean, it's not like they need it. Like I think their other guards are pretty good at defense. I don't know. Drew Holiday is a good defender. I've never heard anything about that. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I think he's if he could. I don't know if he'll get there to them. Is the thing I think. I don't know. I wonder. I'm wondering if if we ever have any kind of workouts. I think he's a guy who would move up because of them, because he just can score. It's it's hard to. He has that thing. He has that ability to get around people, get to the paint, finish really tough. And it, it's a lot of Kentucky scorers in the last few years have been undervalued in the draft because they just don't have either because there's too much talent or because Calipari's system is strange or they just don't have there there wasn't enough talent around them like Shea Gozis Alexander who kind of had to shoulder an unbelievable burden and then they kind of made his efficiency drop. Uh, yeah, so he could be, he could end up being a top, I have him at five right now. I, I could move him back a little, but like the thing with this draft is that I think there's the top three, four guys and those guys are weaker than average, like pretty significantly. And there's no Zion's in this draft. There's no Jaws. There's no Luka Doncic. There's no, it's not, it may not even be like an Aiden or a Jaron Jackson level guy, but I think from like five to twenty, twenty-two, it's pretty above average. Like, I don't know, above. it's definitely average. Like there's, those guys are fairly interchangeable, and they're all pretty good. And then you get into like twenties and forties, and it's just like a huge mass of that guy's okay, which is you know better than an average draft. Um, it's not going to be a good draft, but I don't think it's going to be like a catastrophic one, like two thousand, where there weren't any superstars and there's only like twelve good players. Yeah. We're like. Hito Turkoglu was, like, I think by far the best player in that draft after a few years. And it's, like, him and Kenyon. And it's, like, I, I like both of those guys. They can't be the best players in the draft. <laughs> um, it, this is going to be better than that. There's just too much talent in, in the world. And there's too many role players in this draft. There's going to be a lot of role players. So, <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that the best thing Maxie's got going for him in the offensive end is just his finishing ability inside. Um, he can finish with either hand. He does these like wrong-footed floaters from all sorts of weird angles. Um, we're probably going to hear the word crafty um, said about him like a million times between now and the draft. Um, do you do you think that's an accurate read? Yeah, I would almost say more powerful than crafty, but he's he's very crafty. He's got that 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 floater touch. That you know that's what you look for. That's the thing that I think Doncic has really changed with a lot, even with main, especially with mainstream draft coverage, is that. Like, if a guy is shooting floaters 15, 16 feet out consistently, it means he's a good shooter. Like, it doesn't it doesn't really matter what the numbers say. Like, that's just a, an ability that some people have that 
a lot of players don't have. Like, uh, like Luca is the best example. Lillard was doing that stuff in college. It turns out Lillard was a pretty good shooter. Steph, Steph does that all the time. That's the Steph shot, you know. So, <clears throat> yeah, I think Maxi, Maxi, his strength is a little underrated too. Like I said, he's built. He looks like a running back. He has that just bulk in his upper body and big legs, and just is like a strong, powerful driver. Um, that, that's his best. That's his best ability. Yeah, like if if he can shoot decently and his defense holds up, then he's gonna be a, probably a starter. But I think worst case, even as a rookie, he's gonna be like a really kind of like what Kobe White was, but a little more consistent, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. That, that as a Bulls fan. That uh, that makes sense to me. I I feel like Kobe White's got a little more of like burner speed in him. Like, is is Maxi is as quick as he's him? He's pretty fast. I would say he's as fast. Yeah. Okay. He's he's smaller, so it looks it doesn't play up as well. Like, Kobe's about as he's pretty fast for a six five guy. Uh, Maxi's probably about as fast as him. He's just six two and like, he's like six two and seven eighths or whatever you want to say. I don't think he's that. He's a little undersized for kind of a combo guy, but he's strong enough that I don't think it's gonna matter. Yeah, yeah. He's I mean he's super built. Like he's built like a a free safety or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he plays bigger than you know, his size. Indicates, you know, as far as the shooting goes, I, I, yeah, I think it's commonly accepted that, you know, free throws at the college level are a better indicator of how you'll project as a shooter going forward. And I love the thing about floaters too. I mean, I think it's just such an, like, if you're just boiling down t- what touch is at its fundamental level, like that, that's shooting a floater and he has great touch on floaters. When I look at just his, like his jump shot form and the things I see, um, he's got a very low release point and also, I think he doesn't always shoot with great balance. Like, I see the legs kind of splay sometimes. But I, I could definitely see a world where, you know, he does improve a lot as, as an outside shooter, becomes a credible threat from three. I don't know, what are some of the mechanical issues that you see in his jump shot, if any, and why are you so optimistic that they can improve? Basically, the, the, his feet are, like, the big thing, like you just said. Like, Kobe, that's kind of where the Kobe White comparison really comes from, is that he Kobe does that, too, where he just kind of... His feet just don't are consistent. I just like I said, it's just the the floater touch, and he's a good foul shooter. The idea that he's not going to be an average shooter is is hard for me to accept, especially considering. I, let me look at this. Ninety percent of his three point jumpers were assisted, and like he's a good dribbler and a good pull up shooter from the mid range. So there's no reason to think he's not going to be able to do that in the pros. I think t- shooting standstill off the catch threes is one of the easiest things to for an NBA team to teach to a player. Like, almost any... It's, it's really hard to find a guy who didn't get at least somewhat better at that, who had a real shooting coach and a real team, you know, like, not the Kings. Somebody who's actually good at developing players. The Pelicans are arguably, like, the best team in the NBA at developing yeah. standstill jump shooters. Last year, Fred Vinson, I mean, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, huge jumps and just catch-and-shoot three-point percentage. Yeah, it's hard to see... And I think Zion will probably end up being fine, although he's never going to be like a pull-up shooter. It's just not how he plays. I bet Jackson Hayes will start shooting some threes. There's no reason to think he won't. He's a good foul shooter. It's hard. It's hard to imagine anyone on that team, but especially Maxi. I think he's just he's going to shoot. It's he may not be a knockdown three-point shooter, but it's not going to matter. It's like oh, I don't want to say Lou Williams. Lou Williams is a knockdown three-point shooter, but. Like if Lou Williams wasn't a good three-point shooter, he'd still be effective because he's just so good at getting the rim and getting fouled. Thirty-three or thirty-four, thirty-two point, yeah, thirty-four point two free throw rate for Maxi. That's that's pretty good. You know, that's 
120 free throws in 30 games, 31 games. That's he's getting, he got the line pretty much whatever he wanted. So I, I don't really see a concern for him. The concern I guess would be how good of a finisher he can really be as a not big dunker, like less than 10 dunks, six two, six three. Like there is some risk of he might just get may not be big enough to finish the rim consistently in the NBA, but I don't know. I, I'm not that big. I think if you have the numbers, they usually translate. Yeah. 65% is pretty good. And I think one of the things that the Pelicans are definitely going to be looking for in this draft, they're they're not happy with the way they defended for much of last season. I mean, I think they want to take a player who can defend. Um, and I I liked what I saw uh, from Maxie on the defensive end. You know, I think he does a pretty good job of staying in front of the ball, and I I think he's almost a better team defender than he is an on-ball defender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that. And, and he doesn't need to be, if he's with the Pelicans, he doesn't need to be a point-of-attack guy as much because they have Drew and they have Lonzo. are both pretty good at that. Lonzo, I think, was more of a team defender too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's really tenacious. He, he, he tries to play defense. So, I mean, and if you're a good enough athlete, that's almost most of the battle for a guard. You know, you don't, you don't just stand around. He doesn't do that. None of the guys on the on Kentucky really did that. Quickly, I don't know if he's a defender, but he's big enough. They um, I mean that's that's why they were good. They were a good defensive team last year. They didn't have the scoring. They didn't have the. Uh, they gave Ashton Hagens the ball and made him the lead guy, even though I don't think he's good at that. And Maxi should have been. That's the one real concern. Like I thought that Maxi was going to be the floor general more, and he just never really worked his way into that. Calipari is famous for that. Like I, like I brought up Shea earlier, he wasn't the starting point guard for like a third of that season, even though watching those games it was patently obvious that he was the guy who should have the ball. But he was a freshman, and he wasn't a top ten recruit, so Calipari was kind of resistant to that idea. If we all remember when Devin Booker was there and he wasn't the lead scorer, imagine that. Devin yeah. Booker, one of the best scorers in the NBA, was not like the designated lead scorer at Kentucky because the Harrison twins were there. And Calipari does that. And, and it, it you know, sometimes it's, you know, coaches can do what they want. And I think he's on the benefit of the doubt. But he does, do, it is a little frustrating. He doesn't use guys. Carl Towns shot like five threes his freshman season, which seems strange because he may be the best three-point shooting big man in the history of basketball right now. But, you know, this is how Calipari works. And it's hard to really fault him, except for when they don't win titles. I've I have plenty of wrong opinions about the draft, but I, I have to say it was it was baffling in the moment when the Cavs took Sexton over Shea. I was like, what are you guys doing? Like Shea, I don't know. I didn't Sexton get that slaps one. the floor a lot. I give him credit. He he's become like a he was a I didn't think he was a real shooter. He's a good shooter. So he, there's something he's doing at least. I think you know the odds are if the Pelicans wind up keeping this pick, they'll they'll probably take a four just because the depth chart next year is pretty clogged. I mean they they've got Lonzo and Drew. They've got JJ uh, as like, you know, the third guy at the backcourt. They've got Didi Luzada probably coming over, a uh, Brazilian guard, played last season in Australia. They've got Nikhil Alexander Walker, who, you know, just really didn't get minutes to develop. So I, no. I think it's pretty clogged. So we'll see. But I, I, I would say, if, if I had to guess, they take a forward. Uh, and I was just look, kind of looking at, at guys maybe who are in this range. I want, wanted to get your opinion too on. on Devin Vassell from from Florida State. I really like what I saw from him in, ju- in just the few games I saw. What, what what do you think? He's terrific. 
he that's kind of my archetype of players the auto hoarder mikhail bridges type forward of like a kind of a three position guy skinny but like not weak jump shooter the difference between him and bridges i think he clearly profiles more closely to bridges he's a much more confident shooter he's not really better because bridges was a great shooter but bridges wasn't even in college didn't like dribbling into shots and Vassell loves it Vassell takes a lot of like Paul George style tough mid-range shots but he's a good shooter but the, the thing you're getting with him is he is a guaranteed good team defender in the NBA like there's almost no way he's not going to be because he's an absolute monster just like reaction times getting in passing lanes breaking up he's a guy who doesn't get steals sometimes because he overwhelms the whole offense and they just stop he makes people pick up their dribble he'll he'll rotate he's perfect at help rotations and just sort of sticking and getting back to guys great contests he blocks a lot he blocks a lot of jumpers for a two he really played the two a lot in florida state and i'm an upsetting amount honestly like he would be perfect if, if especially with zion still not seeming like he knows what he's doing defensively which is kind of a surprise um, he's a he'd be a great guy next to him because he will he will hit kickouts. He can create a little with the ball in his hands. He's a decent passer. Like he, it's weird that he didn't get more didn't get more buzz because Florida State won the ACC and he was I think top three in every statistical category for them. He was number I know he was number one in threes made. I know he was number one in steals. I think he was second in blocks. And he was first in points. I think second or third in assists. Second or third in rebounds. Like he just did everything. And at a really high level, and with really, 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 really bankable instincts. Like every time you watch him, it just he knows what he's doing, and he's the he's probably the highest floor player in the draft, save maybe Okongwu. Like I'm very sure he will be good. It's just how good is the difference between picking him at like five or six, which is where I have him, versus picking him at like 14. But I I am convinced he's going to be good. He's, he's so aware, I mean, at, at all times on defense. I mean, he just he's just constantly scanning the floor. Like, he, he understands how everyone is interacting with each other. He understands how to split the difference between, like, you know, his guy and, and kind of shading over to, to help on the ball. Um, I mean, the, the team defense really is something that sticks out to me. Um, you know, as, as far as his jumper, yeah, I you know, I, I think he likes taking him off the – off the dribble and he has this really high release too like mm -hmm. and i feel like his shot is never going to get blocked he's he he's huge like he looks bigger than six seven out there he, he like moves around with these long strides and he shoots his jumper like way over his head too the thing with him is you look at him and you think he's got like a seven three wingspan because the plays he makes but it's like six nine and a half it's fine it's pretty good but it's not you know upsetting like mikhail bridges has a seven one wingspan and it doesn't see it seems like they have the same wingspan but it's just he moves so quickly let me look at his assisted he still shot 70 percent at the rim on not that many shots but yeah 41.5 percent on threes on florida state who had no spacing he's basically their only shooter him and uh mj walker's the guard yeah the guard who shoots a lot of threes but yeah, high block percentage, 2.8 steal percentage is way, way above the threshold. Got fouled decently, rebounded, just did everything. It's just, I don't think there's a single spot on the floor he shot below like 43%. Uh, dunked. If he gets in transition, he dunks. It's just, he's one of those guys, like he's not going to get stopped at the rim one-on-one -on -one a lot. 
it there's there's almost no flaws in him. I think the idea, like I said, the reason you may not draft him at, I think in a normal draft I wouldn't take him at four or five just because I don't think he'd be like a lead wing scorer. He'd probably a second or second or third guy. But in this draft I might do that just because who else is a lead scorer in this draft? There's really two that could be. Um, it's really hard. To, it's honestly kind of hard to talk about him without sounding ridiculous because I don't really know what his flaws are. He's not that not that big, so you can't play him with the four, maybe. But I don't think that's a concern for a team like New Orleans. I think they have that position covered. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I guess he's not great at, at breaking people down off the dribble. I would say, but like his role if he was on the Pelicans, I mean, they'd never ask him to do that. No. You know, as far as building around Zion, um, I mean, I think that's you know obviously going to be it. it kind of in the front of, of David Griffin's mind, whoever he has this roster. I mean, that's one of the first questions you have to ask yourself. How does this guy fit around Zion? I think one of just the types of players that I would be interested in seeing next to Zion that the Pelicans don't really have is a guard who is very good at, at making jump shots off the dribble and who really attracts a lot of attention. Just, you know, we're going to do, we're going to do a pick and roll with you and Zion like 30 feet away from the hoop. And we're just worried that you're going to rise up and shoot this um, because, you know, Zion, if he gets the ball headed downhill, like there's just no stopping him. There's nothing you can do. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of looking at, at guys who could be that type of score. Um, and I guess like the one I was looking at was, was Cole Anthony. Um, what do what do you think about just, just Anthony's yeah, game? Yeah, Cole would be a fun, he'd be an interesting fit there. Um, his numbers are kind of hard to judge because uh, they weren't good. Um, he also, I think, had this. Let me look at this. I've been looking at, uh, like amount of assisted shots at the rim as like a good barometer for how effective someone is at getting into the paint. Yeah, I think he had a second. He had 8.1% of his shots were assisted at the rim. That's like absurdly low. He shot 54% there, which is bad. But it's almost like this guy was driving into four people pretty much all the time because they didn't shoot very well. All their other freshmen disappointed. Well, Baycott was okay. They had a lot of guys who didn't play. They had some transfers who didn't play well. They had all. It's one of the least talented North Carolina teams I can ever remember seeing. And he was playing through a torn meniscus for like a week and a half, and it just didn't. The high school tape of his high school tape is very different. He may just not be an explosive enough athlete to compensate for the fact that he's kind of average sized. Um, I am a little worried about Cole as like a lead decision-making guard because he, he sometimes just likes to shoot. But I think you can hammer that into, into something better and figure out. He was still 35% from three. Like, he still shot. So, I don't know. He's kind of a tough evaluation, but if he slipped to where the Pelicans take, and I, I'd probably take him just because the, the firepower he could bring as a scorer is just like a... I mean, three-level scorer is a dumb phrase that's overused, but he is that kind of... Like, he'd be that kind of scorer. He could be good three-point shooter, get into the paint, shoot floaters, get to the rim, hopefully. Um, but he's not really a defender, but he's not small, so it's it's kind of hard to see him as like a guy who gets hunted a lot. I mean, his dad was a pretty good defender, so we kind of hope that translates. Uh, his dad is Greg Anthony, if anyone didn't know, from <laughs> NBA journeyman. If you didn't know by looking at his face and realizing yeah. he looks a lot like Greg Anthony. Um, and the guy who, if you watch any North Carolina game, the camera just panned over to him like 30 yeah. times every game. <laughs> 
I still uh, believe in Cole. I think before the season, he was pretty. He was a popular uh, number one choice because he just seemed like a monster athlete. It may not be. He may be more of a two-footed jumper, which for guards can sometimes be a problem. Like uh, Donovan Mitchell is a, is a prominent two-footed jumper, but he's such a weird athlete that he's he's figured out how to compensate. A lot of guys who are two-footers, you need you need more time to load up, you know, and it, sometimes guards don't have that. Getting into the paint, getting swarmed by Rudy Gobert types or even Mitchell Robinson types, you know. Yeah, I feel like you know if the situation for Anthony would be fantastic on the Pelicans. I mean, they mm-hmm. would just ask him, "Hey, can you just you know give us some bench scoring? Like we're we're good in the starting lineup. Like you go out there for for." 15 minutes a game and just like try to cook. Hey, look, I think an interesting thing, and this is, a, okay, yeah, they have 39, right? Is that their 39 and they have one in the 40s? Okay, yeah, they have a couple other picks. I think if they really were looking for that, for a pick and roll guy, and they, they miss out like nobody falls, I would, you could look at Malachi Flynn or Jared Butler in the second round as like guys who will shoot pull ups. Those guys are excellent ball handlers, excellent pull-up guys. And I think they could both be full-time backup point guards, like, right now. Um, so those are two, like, Malachi Flynn had monster numbers for San Diego State, and they were, I mean, they didn't play the best schedule in the world, but they were undefeated almost the whole year, and he was their best player. Shot well at the rim, huge three-point numbers. Just kind of a smart point guard. He's not small. He's not big, but he was, like, 6'2". 190, like, you know, kind of average-sized. And then Butler is kind of the same way. So those two guys would be interesting. I think um, if you let me pick anyone in this whole class to play next to Zion, it would be Killian Hayes, though, because he's probably the best pick-and-roll guard, and he's the best pull-up shooter. He was... I don't know where he ended up, but at one point during the season, he was, I think, 52% on pull-up shots, all pull-up shots, which is absurd, especially for an 18-year-old guard playing in decent French league, like not, not nothing, not playing, he wasn't playing in the, the famous, uh, Greek second league, like, like, uh, Giannis or Alexei Pokashevsky were, where they're playing in high school gyms, and everyone on the, everyone else on the team is like 37 years old, but, um, yeah, I don't know, Cole's a good, if Cole makes it, I think Maxi still has some pick and roll juice, as they would say, to unlock, so I think he and Zion would be interesting, he and Zion would be fun, because you couldn't, you couldn't go around the screen because he would bulldoze you, and you couldn't go through the screen because you wouldn't exist anymore. And I think they would just create a lot of space. One of those pick-and-rolls where they just get a couple feet of space every time because people just don't want to fight through it. Unless, you know, you put throw Patrick Beverly at them out of a cannon or whatever. I'm trying to think now of who else. A lot of the other guards in this class are kind of more slasher types, which, I mean, Maxi is too, but I think he has more ability to get up there. Uh... Or they're like pure passing types. Like I mean, I love Tyrese Halliburton. He wouldn't be a fit for the Pelicans just because he is Lonzo. That's you don't need yeah. to. Uh, I'm not a Miles Powell guy. I don't think he's a sh- that kind of shooter. Marcus Howard's gonna get some looks from people, and I I wouldn't caution against that just because he's. Uh, general rule of thumb: if a guard is under six three, it is not a good passer. They shouldn't be taken. Carson Edwards is a great example of that. Not yeah. a point guard, but also not big enough to be a two guard. Uh, Tyrell Terry is interesting. He's more of a spot up shooter. Devon Dotson could be fun if they really just want to completely max out on a guy who gets to the rim. 
because Devon Dotson gets to the rim at a ridiculous rate. Uh, the Kansas point guard, he was a sophomore. He's only 6'1", 6'2", and he's not big. And he he didn't, I don't think he dunked a single time all last year. But let me look at it here. Yep. 64% of his uh, shots at the, he shot 64% at the rim on almost 200 attempts in 30 games. And was assisted on 17% and was not a good shooter. So every team that they played explicitly loaded up. They went under screens. They packed the paint knowing he was going to get to the paint. And he still got into the paint and finished at a high rate because he's extremely fast and really low to the ground kind of dribbler. Like I, I wouldn't take him top 10, I don't think, because I don't know if he's going to be like a starting guard. And that's if you take someone in the top 10, they should be a starter, I think, no matter who it is. But um, he or Kyra Lewis, if you're looking for a pure speed guard, are the two guys that, especially in the late lottery, I think would be available. I think they'd be interesting fits for the Pelicans. I don't know if they'd be as good as Maxi, but if if you're kind of wanting to max out on just physically overwhelming people, I think that might be an interesting look. What do you think about um, the the kid out of Vanderbilt, uh, Neesmith? Yeah, Neesmith. Yeah. He'd be fine pick. I don't. I mean, they don't have that many. Darius Miller probably won't. I don't think he's ever going to really play significant minutes again. He wasn't very good when he came back at the beginning with, and then he tore his Achilles. He's in his 30s. And, like, Luzada could be a good shooter, but who really... I don't know how many wing shooters they really have, so he that's what he's good at. If you want the Duncan Robinson type, that's probably what he's going to be. Just come off screens, come off handoffs, shoot blisteringly high rates. I mean, he's not, he, he was a, in the fifties before he got hurt. That's not, that's not sustainable, but I, he's a shooter and he's not, he's not tiny. Like he's got a pretty good size. So he theoretically is a defender. I've seen him take some really questionable angles on closeouts and just kind of hang around. But sometimes with shooters, I mean, it's a kind of a tertiary. Like if a guy's a good defender, that's fine. But if you're going to be shooting in the mid forties, consistently on high like i think that's still worth a draft pick yeah yeah i mean one of the i guess under discussed realities of the draft is a lot of this stuff does come down to relationships like teams relationships with Mm -hmm. with agents or coaches and the head coach at vanderbilt is jerry stackhouse and Mm -hmm. the pelicans know jerry stackhouse that's brandon ingram's mentor so uh whatever you know you think about this kid i i think that the pelicans will do their due diligence um, I think someone that they'll they get a lot of intel on. Um, I think it's pretty interesting. I mean, you, you think he can be a guy who's, you know, coming off a curl or whatever and, and just firing from three and making a check consistently? Yeah. That's no reason not to think that. He did it his, his entire first season, and he was doing it until SEC play started and he broke his foot. Um, apparently, it's just a pretty routine break. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a lingering issue. They just – they're Vanderbilt, so they didn't bring him back. What's the point? That's two straight years that they've had uh, um, their best player suffer a foot injury, and then they just kind of punted on the rest of the year. Before he got hurt, though, the Stackhouse is running some really nice-looking professional – you know, he's a professional coach – some nice-looking sets for him. They – I do want a quick shout-out. I don't know if he's going to get drafted, but Saban Lee, the Vanderbilt guard, is one of my favorite players in the draft because he he's 6'2". I don't have okay yeah, he I think he had more dunks than Anthony Edwards who was if Anthony Edwards I, I I have you know I said my I have problems with him as like a driver, but in transition he dunks 
almost every time he has the ball. Saban Lee had more dunks than him as a 6'2 small little point guard because he just has spring legs. He's one of those guys who just gets up in the paint really easily. And he, every time he scored 25 points, they were in a game. And every time he didn't, they got destroyed. So he had to shoulder pretty much the entire offensive load for an SEC team. They were bad, but they were still playing good teams. And didn't, like his numbers weren't awful, which means he's probably an NBA player. I mean, if Ish Smith is an NBA player, I think he's an NBA player. There's, Like I said, there's always room for a guy whose entire role is getting into the paint. It's just, it's important. You need it. Like I said, I think it's the number one thing a point guard can do. It's just off-balance the defense and, and kind of make people react. Because spacing is so important in the NBA. If you get those two feet, then you can score with it. Especially if you have J.J. Redick on your team. Or Zion Williamson coming into the room because people don't want to get in his way. <laughs> I think we know. I think we figured that out pretty quickly. That there's not really anyone in the league who can really, if he wants to score, he's going to score. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would just flee. Like it's like a tsunami or something. Yeah, just get out of the way. I mean, was Zion the only, the only the, guy in the the one guy? And I, I'm actually really excited to see this in the next couple of years. As like a every time there's a remember when Shaq became Shaq, and especially when he was on the Lakers, there became like a little cottage industry of just big seven foot guys who only whose only purpose was to foul Shaq. There's gonna be that six eight, six nine, like two fifty guy whose whole whose whole plan is whose whole thing is can you stop Zion even once? And uh, Xavier Tillman's that guy in this draft because he did it in college. And I'm really interested to see in the next three or four years you're gonna get like guys who aren't necessarily NBA players through skill level, like Xavier Tillman is, but who just have like tight end bodies who can maybe stop Zion and that's going to be like a guy who becomes your 13th man emergency guy for a few years especially I think like the Rockets and Mavericks and Spurs and Grizzlies are going to do that because they have to play him so much that they they you know they don't want to let their other defenders get killed yeah I mean remember when the uh the Lakers and the Nets played in the finals like the the Nets had like an entire roster of guys who are just Aaron like Aaron Williams Todd McCullough yeah <laughs> Your job is just to go out there and use your six fouls on Shaq and just try to beat him up and wear him down. Can you get can you get an offensive rebound? Then welcome welcome to the New Jersey Nets. <laughs> um, you know, I, I mean, I think Zion was a pretty easy projection. I mean, he had yeah, you know, one of the best college seasons ever. What did I mean? Did did he live up to your expectations? I mean, was this about what you expected? These the nineteen yeah, games like he was said, healthy. I think his his defense was a little concerning. Like he just seemed. It just seemed like it was too fast for him. He didn't, he couldn't make the reads yet, and he also didn't have the conditioning, especially at the start. That he just kind of, he did the YMCA defense where he would just kind of put his hand up as someone drove by him. That was a little concerning, but I think he'll, he can only get better at it. And you know, he was so absurdly and humanly good at scoring that it didn't really matter. He was still effective. Yeah, I mean, he he did a pretty good job at Duke of of being able to defend on the perimeter, right? Yeah, decent. I think I mean, he was. Whenever he was in at center, they became just incredibly good at defense. Because um, they had. They would basically have three to four elite defenders, and then RJ Barrett has his problems, but he can still. He could defend if he wanted to. So they became like. There's a Louisville game where they came back from 25 points down in about nine minutes, and it. Entirely because Zion picked up his fourth foul in, earlier in the second half and missed about eight minutes, and they were getting blown out. 
And you could see him come back in and definitively say, like, we're going to win this game. And he just started devouring. Like, Louisville guys would get to the rim, and he would just jump up and take the ball out of their hands, which I've never – like, you don't see that. You see – sometimes you see the catch block, like the Mitchell Robinson block. I don't think I've ever seen a guy more than once when someone's going for a layup just jump up next to them and grab the ball out of their hands and run back down court. He did that four or five times. And he did it at least twice in that Louisville game. And it literally – it completely – like, they were afraid. They didn't want to get into the paint. So they just started taking bad shots, and then Cam Reddish hit a bunch of threes, Trey Jones hit some threes, Zion had some offensive rebounds, and they scored about 18 points in like four minutes. It was absurd. It, it's really remarkable that team didn't win the tournament. I mean, every game, yeah, yeah. I mean, every game I watched Zion this year, I saw one or two things I've just never seen before, and I would just sit in my seat no. and laugh. Like, there were a couple times where, the, the, you know, the Pelicans obviously, like five times every game, would try to throw up an oop for him just because he can catch anything. And sometimes they would, you know, overthrow it or inaccurately throw it. There were a couple times where the, the alley-oop pass deflected off the backboard. Zion caught it off the backboard and still dunked it. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. What yeah, is I, that? I laugh at I remember the first couple games that Drew, I don't think, understood where to throw lobs to him. So he just kind of, like, threw him as hard as he could at the rim, and they would bounce away, and Zion would still catch him. That was great. But, the, I mean, Lonzo very predictably became the guy for that, and that's going to be a thing now for – hope for the next dozen years and that's it's 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 terrifying because i think an underrated thing people don't talk about with with the draft is the best attribute you can have as an offensive player is scoring easily i think people romanticize i don't i don't want to speak ill of kobe but they romanticize the kobe kind of shot or the jordan shot the really tough mid-range shot and that's i mean Kawhi proved last playoffs that's still extremely valuable but if you can just score easily, you can come down court and score immediately. It's just so it's so many points added over the course of a game, and it, we're at the point already where if Lonzo has the ball and Zion is across half court, he's, that's two points. You really can't yep. stop it. He's going to make that pass, and, and it's, it's LeBron and Wade. Remember, whenever LeBron got across half court with less than if there was not the whole defense back, he was going to dunk. You couldn't stop it. And that's even if you do that three, four times over the course of a game, that's eight points. That could win you the game. I mean, that's it's hard yeah, to the, really overstate how important that is. The the transition post up was a legitimate weapon for Zion and the Pelicans this year, which is pretty wild. And if he gets in the post like that, how many people in the NBA could stop him? I mean, I remember he went through Paul Millsap like he was like he was butter. It's like Paul Millsap is extremely strong i don't know who else you can really there's just if he gets you sealed he's going to score and that's you know how many points a game is that 10 12 yeah yeah i mean it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if he can't bring people down off the dribble which he can do it it almost doesn't it's it's like Shaq. it's 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 really that's the best comparison is it's when Shaq caught the ball he was going to score you couldn't stop it one of my favorite moments of the season was when Steven Adams just bounced off of him. I mean, the strongest person in NBA just bounced off. Well, cool, Brian. He's, I, he's I really beyond, appreciate I think, mortal comprehension at this point. Yeah. Um, well, cool, Brian. I, I really appreciate you doing this. Um, mm-hmm. You're on Twitter at Cosmos. Uh, people can find your draft coverage at Uprock Sports. Should have a big board coming out uh, whenever the deadline to withdraw. The, they still have the deadline for underclassmen to declare. It's this Sunday. By then, we'll know 
the maximum amount of people who could be in the draft, and then you can do real big boards from there. So I'm going to have one out there. I also I have stuff on Patreon at page, at Patreon slash Cosmos. I do mock drafts and stuff. I'm going to start hopefully doing more write-ups if I can get a little time off of work, recent, <laughs> which has been difficult recently. But when I put up my big board on Dime, I'm going to kind of transplant it over to my... I have a big board with a bunch of little capsule, capsule scouting reports that I do. That's going to be... I'm going to try and finish that, finish the top 75 for that, and then just work from that for the rest of the however long the draft process is. Well, cool, man. I've, I've loved your draft stuff for a couple seasons, and I like people who have fresh perspectives. Thanks for doing this, man.